We want to stop being solution factories. And most leaders didn't realize that was an option. Then I say, well, if you want, if you love your day filled with problems, you love it when people come to you with things to be solved. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about unleashing your leadership potential, and my guest is Miriam Mima. Miriam is the co-founder of the 2 Million Leaders Project. Her goal is to inspire 2 million people to see themselves as leaders and aim for joy and success simultaneously. She helps people unlock their next level of performance and reach their potential as leaders. Now, this was a great back-and-forth conversation. Uh, that will help you become your best as a leader. And I had a blast talking with Miriam, and I know you'll enjoy this as well. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Miriam Mima. Miriam has been a coach and facilitator for over 20 years, dedicating her life to studying the overlap between business and psychology. Miriam has coached founders and executives at hundreds of companies, including a dozen valued at over $1 billion. She works one-on-one with senior leaders, facilitates team offsites, and develops customized leadership development journeys for leaders at all levels. Her specialty is in helping people unlock the next level of performance while maximizing authenticity. I am excited to have her on the show to learn more from her deep experience in leadership development. So Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. And I am excited to learn from you. That's what we do on the show is we learn from experts like yourself and uh, and I've got an empty notebook here, and I usually take a lot of notes, so I'm excited to learn from your experience. But uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your company, 2M Leaders. What do you do there, and what makes your company unique and special? Yeah, great. Um, I, I'm hoping you'll tell me as well. So I have my vantage point, and I'm thinking, oh, sometimes we, all of us, we get so focused on the on the world that we live in that perhaps you have a, a perspective that I won't even have. But the Two Million Leaders Project is my company, and this is in some ways a, a coaching and leadership development company like you would find in many places. I think what makes us different is the fact that we have a mission to work with over 2 million leaders across the globe. And by working with 2 million leaders, what I mean by that is I believe that it's necessary. The World Economic Forum is actually telling us we need to retool or reskill 1 billion people across the globe 
in order for them to remain marketable as the world becomes more digitally informed and AI becomes more integrated into the way we work. So 1 billion people out there need new skills and in in, in their short list of skills that lead, people need are emotional intelligence and leadership skills. So I view it as my personal mission to ensure that I am somehow, some way, and this podcast is one of uh, one element of that purpose or mission for me is figuring out how can I take my experience and how can I take leadership as a concept and boil it down to essential skills and make sure I'm making those available to at least two billion, two million people. That is exciting, and 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 what I guess you know before we dive into some of the questions, I'm just curious where why two million? Where did you guys settle on that? I you know it's funny because the the podcast we do is to build a world with better bosses, and I just say. More bosses, more better more. bosses. You're saying yeah. two million, two million we want to get. <laughs> two million. I know. Why two million? Yeah. This started back. So I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan in the United States. I moved around quite a bit, but I lived for some time in Colorado. And when I was in Colorado, I had the opportunity to go to a, an event that was at the Aspen Institute. And that's where a lot of world leaders gather and they have amazing conversations and I was lucky enough to be in a room with people, you know, that I had no business being in the room with. Essentially, that's how it felt, right? That's what imposter syndrome always tells us. But what I noticed is I was talking to a lot of people and they were all telling me stories about how they had reached 1 million people. It was a very, for some reason, it was a very consistent number that yeah. I kept hearing over and over and over again. And at that point in my life, it was inconceivable to reach 1 million people. It was inconceivable. And it was in different industries and in different ways uh, that those people were essentially orienting towards 1 million. And so I set out to ask myself, who would be my 1 million people? Is it, Should I be moving to Africa and working with orphanages? What is, should I be working? I, I didn't, I was really, really unsure. And I asked myself over and over and over again, what, who are my people? What, if I were going to focus on one, one million people, who would they be? And I, and I, what, once the clarity came, it was obvious that my people are, they're, they're leaders in first world countries. And I believe that if I can reach many leaders in first world countries, the rest will take care of itself. And so I set my sights on one million. I thought, why one million? Why not double it? Why, why go for one when we could it. go for two? Yes. Good. I love it. I mean, that's uh yeah, you have a you have a very clear goal and and a very clear clear mission and you even name your company after it. So that's I, I love that. I lo it's absolutely purpose driven, is purpose focused and uh and you have a mission and you're on it. You're on mission. So you're on mission. Hopefully we'll get you close to I don't know if we'll get a million listeners, but <laughs> we'll get a lot of listeners out of this uh interview. So let's let's go down to the basics. So leadership is um there's a lot of different definitions. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about leadership. How do you define leadership? How what's what's your definition and and how you focus leadership when you do your teaching and instructing? For me, great leadership is consciously designing the impact we have on others. It's deciding what is the impact that I want to have, and then learning how to reverse engineering that. So consciously designing the impact I have on others. Interesting. So this would, you know, take the shape of, um, you know, a transformational leadership where we're trying to impact others to bring out their full potential to, 
you know, to to help them achieve their their best. But how does that how does that affect the bottom line? How does it affect the performance of the business if we if we constantly design the impact we make on people? How will we make more money? How will we grow our business? Are they related? They're definitely related. Yeah. So I spent the very, very many years early in my career working specifically with subject matter experts that had linked behavior and business to bottom line success. So Bill Neal um, and Dan Dennison from the University of Michigan Business School have spent 25 years studying the link between culture and bottom line success. So we know that the way that people think and the way that they behave dictates the decisions they're making day to day and translates to bottom line success. So depending on what metrics matter to us or what maybe it's money, maybe it's growth, maybe it's profitability, maybe it's employee or customer retention, regardless of what we're orienting towards, we can map that essentially to what is it that we need people, how do we need people behaving? How do we need people thinking? And then there is our leaders in place to help influence that outcome. I love it. I love it. So it makes sense. So the, the two are tied together. So if we, if we can impact people, uh, then we can impact results. Absolutely. Yes. To me, that's felt very intuitive my whole life. I was 13 when people started to tell me I should become a business psychologist. <laughs> but I realized that not that's not intuitive for everyone. We don't... No. Not everybody on the planet makes that link or see it, sees that link is so obvious. This is a great, this is, this is an interesting point that you bring up because that's one of the reasons I started writing and did a podcast is because I realized what I was defining as leadership, what I was practicing as leadership for all these years, 30 plus years, was different than many of my colleagues in corporate, you know, in, in these global companies that I work for. So what what do you think the difference is between your definition and what a lot of people maybe uh, mistake as leadership or what, what they may think about leadership? What's the difference? Yeah, I think a lot of us get stuck on outcomes and driving outcomes and forget yeah. the means by which that will arrive. We can arrive at that and we forget. I I really, truly believe most of us are minimizing the impact that we're having on people all the time. Family members, people we're passing by on the street, we are influencing each other all the time. And we are completely oblivious to one of our greatest points of leverage for driving the outcomes that we so greatly care about and focus on. Yeah, it's interesting because that's one of the things I saw just in my experience with corporate, you know, in the corporate world is that a lot of people, you know, they... They would isolate themselves, you know. They would, you know, they they were busy, right? They're in they're in meetings, they're on phone calls, and they they they're in the office with the door shut, and they never get out to where their people are and see their people. And and in in, in I, I in my books, I say leadership is a people business. It's all about people. Mm-hmm. And when you miss that thing, when you're working on your your email list or your to do list, you're not engaging the people that get the results. So I think. To me, it's obvious as well. Um, and so is that when you're doing leadership development, do you bring people back down to earth and say, it's about people? Oh, it's definitely about people. Well, I ask them first, what do you want to be known for as mm-hmm. a leader? And I would definitely encourage everyone who's listening to right now, if you don't already have that at top of mind to ask yourself, what do you want to be known for? I, I don't really mean outcomes. I really mean if people were to describe you, what words would they use? What adjectives or characteristics would come to mind? And that's 
usually a good clue in terms of how they want to be perceived is how they want to show up. And then we can start to figure out when is that happening and when is that not happening? And how do we close the gap between your intentions and what's currently your reality, which I would call your your current impact and your intentions. We need to close the gap. Hmm, this is some really interesting stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. There, there, and I think you're right that we make an impact. And one of the things I think of when you talk to just about anyone, anyone, you know, someone sitting on the plane seat next to you, uh, you're at a soccer game, whatever, you talk to somebody, everyone's got a story about a good boss and a bad Mm -hmm. boss, right? And we remember the people that we work for that inspired us and, and helped, you know, bring out the best of us, right? We, we remember those people. And we also remember the people that, made us feel small or made us feel, uh, ins- or, uh, or, or frustrated us or, you know, by, by micromanaging us. We, we know these leaders. And so the question is, what do you want to be known for is kind of interesting. It's like, if, if people remember you 10 years from now, what do you want to be known for? I think that's a, that's a, that's an important question to get down to. Well, then what actions are you taking to be known for that? Exactly. Are you actually operating in integrity with those values or those intentions? Yeah. And do you even know, most people haven't actually required on themselves to have the self-awareness or situational awareness to know what's happening for me and what's the impact that has on others. And those are usually the types, the areas in which leaders can very quickly grow substantially their impact. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. So let's get, let's talk about senior managers. You, you work with a lot of senior managers, C-suites, and what are some things that when they discover, they, they say, oh, I wish I had known that earlier. I wish I had known that when I was younger. What are some of those aha moments that you found with some of the senior leaders you work with? I believe there's a certain level at which we want to stop being solution factories. And most uh-huh. leaders didn't realize that was an option. <laughs> we all just felt like that was part of the job to be solution factories. And I say, well, if you want, if you love your day filled with problems, you love it when people come to you with things to be solved, please keep giving them solutions every day, all day. Keep giving them solutions. If you do not want your day filled with problems, you don't have to. It's actually possible to create a, a an environment, a culture in which people come to you and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I would want to do. Does that sound right to you? Which is a very different scenario than most leaders or most managers are experiencing right now. So that's one thing is essentially making that pivot. And another is that they, it's okay to have questions instead of answers. Yes. So, and that they do go hand in hand. Because learning how to ask the right questions is usually the unlock that is required for people to start to solve things for themselves. I want to unpack that a little bit because that's one of the biggest things that I learned in my career. I was 32 when they gave me my first manufacturing plant, and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) But I had the corner office, right? And so I thought I had to have all the answers, right? I'm the guy in the corner office. I have to be the solution factory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is I had no solutions. I was young. Uh, I was inexperienced, right? I was in the military prior to corporate life, so I didn't really know manufacturing that well. I had employees that worked for me that had been in the company as long as I'd been on earth, right? So yeah. how do I become the solution factory when I don't have all the answers? And the, the, what I learned in that first job as a general manager of a manufacturing business was, 
my questions were more important than my answers. Mm -hmm. And being a good, having the ability to ask questions and listen and get input from others, it it built, so it, it unlocked the collective wisdom of the team more than I, mm-hmm. and I, and I didn't do it on purpose. I did it because I was clueless, but it ended up creating a, an amazing culture where everybody was part of, you know, solving problems, running the business, and everybody was fully engaged because I was a question, I asked a lot of questions. So yeah. That so is so what you said was moving away from being a solution factory, moving away from statements and, and solving problems to more questioning and having people come to you with answers. That's a that's a big learn that's a big thing to learn when you when you figure that out. I imagine that many of your leaders are saying, Wow, that that unlocked so much from you know what I what so much more that I can do in an organization when I'm not the the center point for problem solving. Oh my gosh, it really does. It, uh, it unlocks a lot of time and energy and and decreases stress levels. And what's true is sometimes you do need to provide the solution. Sometimes what people yeah, need yeah. from us is the answer. It's just a question of, is this one of those times or are they defaulting to me because I haven't empowered them? So mm-hmm. I usually say a good step from giving solutions, which a lot of us are in that habit, to is a good next step is to say I'm happy to give you my answer, but before I do, what would you do if if you didn't have me to come to? What would be your instinct? So that gives me so much more information as their manager of where I still need to train them or to, to develop them because I I have now and they're telling me what their instincts are, which is the information I need to be able to coach them. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. 
After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty's strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. You know, another thing I was thinking about when we were, we were talking about that, one of the things I, I believe is good for people is to, is to be challenged. Like we want to be challenged. Like good employees want to be given the ball on the fourth down with two minutes to go. They want the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we're always solving their problems, then they feel like I'm never challenged in this job, but, but the boss has always got to be the solution pro, you know, provider. So I, I, one of the things I found is if I give my good people the ball, sometimes I'll let them run with it. They're much more uh, excited to come to work. And they're like, they're working on some project that has high visibility and it's going to impact the organization. And they're telling their family about what they're working on. And they're, they're energized and excited. We're using people to their full potential versus, um, you know, holding all the, all the important things at the corner office and only giving out the, the not important things to everybody else. And I think it's really important with young employees. You come here, you got, you've got a four-year degree. You're, you're so excited. You finally get the job at the big company, and we make you do grunt work for 10 years before we allow you to do any major projects. And that's always frustrated me with, with corporate jobs. At least that's what my observation was. Yeah. I'm going to build on that for a moment. I, I absolutely agree that we want to be challenged. As humans, that's what we sign up for. I believe everyone wants to show up, do good work, and then go home and have a good life. I really believe that. And there's a major difference between what people feel like they need to deliver at work in order to feel like they have essentially checked the box 
And then there's all of this discretionary effort that they really want to access. That's what you're talking about, that potential, that level of engagement. When when someone really cares and they're invested, we can access all of that discretionary effort. When they're disengaged, when they're feeling disempowered, when they're feeling burnt out, all of that goes to zero. Mm. And I feel like great leaders are able to access all of that and figure out the nuance of the individuals on their team and figure out how to essentially support them and create the conditions in which they can thrive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I agree. The the best leaders I've ever worked for challenged me, like put me in uncomfortable situations where I had to do something very difficult. And 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 I ended up doing more than I, than I thought I, I was, it was possible for me to do. So they challenged me and, and, and the results showed we 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 did things i didn't expect so sometimes a challenge is good uh and it's inspiring and it's mm. but we sometimes we, you know even even people who are great leaders servant leaders maybe they don't want ah i don't want to push you i don't want to push you to something difficult because i want to be a nice nice guy right or or a kind a kind boss but but we need that we 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 thrive on sometimes being challenged and given the opportunity mm-hmm. to have the ball and uh mm-hmm. so i think we don't don't think you're doing people a favor when you never give them a chance to shine. That's it. Exactly. And going back to the the idea of what do you want to be known for? Sometimes when I ask that question, people assume that it should be kind and generous and supportive. Yeah. And there is no right or wrong answer to that question. If someone wants to be hard and challenging and they want to be known for that, great, go for it. I think that there's room for the whole range and it's so important for people to be true to themselves and have the type of environment that they want to create. And in that, they, we will inevitably attract the kinds of people that want to be with us. They want to be led by us. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. My first commanding officer was a, was a hard man. Yeah. And <laughs> he was extremely tough yes. on us and yes. I loved him. I absolutely adored him because I learned so much. He made me be the absolute best I could possibly be. And if we had gone to war, I'd want to be right next to him. He was that kind of a leader, uh, but he was not kind. He was not friendly. He was tough. And, and I, and I absolutely loved it, but, 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 you know, but he, that was his, you know, he probably answered that question. What kind of leader do I want to be? I want to be tough and I want to make sure that my team is going to survive whatever comes our way, you know. And exactly. I think that was his mindset, and and it worked with him. And and like I said, I loved working for him, even though he was he was a tough individual. Yes, isn't that wonderful? I think that, and that's a chasm that most leaders won't will never cross is figuring out not what's natural to me, but what's effective. What's mm. effective for the role that I'm in right now and the team that I'm leading? What do they need from me? And figuring out how to do that. That usually aligns with what do I want to be known for, but it means unlearning maybe some of old behavior and figuring out how to lean in to what people need of me. And what a great leader that he knew. He knew he could see it in your eyes, what you needed. And I don't know how he would have shown up for you if you were to go back now, but my gut tells me that he would show up differently because you have matured and you did yes. you would require something else of him as a leader and that's what we we do as leaders we adapt that's it no we we were we were unmolded clay and he he molded us into something yes that was 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 functional and that that he could rely on if he was 
you know, because I was an officer on a submarine, and if he was asleep, he needed his his young officers to be able to run the ship in, when he wasn't there. So we needed to know everything, you know, backwards and forwards. So he molded us into something that he could trust, you know. And, uh, and so you're right. But if now, if I went back, it'd be different, you know. But but then I was a I was clay, and he was he was clearly molding us into something, shaping us. Into, yes, was effective. So yeah, That's yeah, wonderful. So, yeah. Um, what, you know, it's, it's interesting because you talk a lot about people. Uh, I believe that, that, you know, I've, like I said, I've said that leadership is a people business. What do you think that most business leaders don't understand about people and the role of people in, in leadership? What do you think we're missing? Because I think one of the things I notice is that we don't really, you know, like an MBA program, we teach everything but leadership. We teach accounting, mm-hmm. we teach, uh, you know, operations and quality, but we, we seem to miss out on this whole idea of people and in psychology, which you, you're talking about the crossover between psychology and leadership. To me, it's huge. It's, it's more psych. We don't teach enough psychology in, in MBA programs that we should be. <laughs> so what do you think people are missing? I agree with this. Yeah. So I'll ask people, people want to influence the way that people are behaving or they want to influence their cross-functional partners or their manager or their team, and, and I'll say, okay, great. So what do you think drives them? And they'll say, I don't know. I don't know what drives them. And I ask people over using a variety of questions to put themselves in the shoes of whoever it is that they're trying to influence. And that is so difficult for people. They really don't know how to take themselves out of their mindset and put themselves in the perspective of others. And so just... I would just boil it down to that. I'm, I could go on and on and on about what is it that leaders are not understanding about people. But it goes back to what we already touched on, which is people want to do great work. They want to be challenged and they want feedback. They really do. I think most people underestimate how much it, how much they will drive positive change just by calling out what someone is doing well. So I do feel like when we want to be corrective in our in our engagement with our employees, it's okay to use positive reinforcement to accomplish that. Uh, that's something that people forget. And yeah, that, that they're in it too, that we don't have to dumb anything down. We can engage with them in the conversation. And most often what I'm working on with my clo- coach, coaching clients is to help them take what's in their head and just say it out loud to the person in the words and tone that will matter to them, that will land the way that they want it to. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you said that. They have a hard time putting themselves in, the, in the, their followers' shoes. And there's, a, there's um, part of that is, is empathy. And I notice that empathy is missing in a lot. A lot. I hate to say this, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm generalizing, but I'm, I noticed a lot of my peers when I was in corporate just had no empathy, or, or they would say something to me like, well, we got to get the results, you know, the, who cares if we're working overtime for, for a month, we've got to get, the, we got to get this out. And there was just zero empathy, I noticed. And, and I found just having a little bit of empathy helps, you know, helps you sort of put yourself in your people's shoes and mm-hmm. sort of under, try to understand what they're, how they're perceiving a message. And if you don't, it's like a speaker, if you go up on stage and you don't know your audience and, and the kind of things that they're likely going to want to hear and you're not addressing those issues as a speaker, then you're 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 not going to connect with your people. So if you don't understand mm-hmm. your people and what they're going through, you're not going to connect with your message. I think there's, but I saw that was was that lack of empathy was 
was high, at least in the companies I worked for, but and I, I'm not sure. It was always about results and, you know, whatever happens, yeah. happens type of thing. That's it. Empathy. And I would maybe add to that curiosity because I do think they yeah. go hand in hand, just being curious about the other person and then caring about what's true for them, right? That's how I would think about empathy. And some people can't quite get there, but they can at least be curious. And uh, okay, great. Well, let's start there. Just be curious. Wonder what's true for them, even if you don't feel like you care. Just wonder. And can you use that as an input of how you might want to frame your message so that you can drive those results that that. you care about? Curiosity is is really powerful. Yeah, asking questions and, and listening. And 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 asking a lot of questions and listening and getting perspective from different different um, you know different people in the organization. You're like, oh shoot, well everyone's sort of thinking this. I guess I missed you know I I, I didn't communicate that very well because everyone thinks you know this other thing is happening. So yeah, being curious is is if you don't have empathy, be curious. <laughs> that's a great that's a great yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know we've got. You know, it, listeners, we may have some some newer managers um, uh, on the show, and and you know, a lot of cases, people get into management because they're the best individual contributors. So they're like, okay, you're now the manager, and so and yes. typically, there's a ten year gap typically between when you're promoted and when you actually get real leadership training. So how should new man? What should new managers do to develop their leadership skills um, in light of the fact that they may not get training anytime? Uh, in the first, you know, five to 10 years of that role? Mm -hmm. I think it's be honest about what you know and what you don't know and don't doubt or evaluate how good or bad that is. That's, that's what happens for a lot of people is they're, they, they're lacking self-awareness. So with self-awareness, I would start with what is it that I feel clear about? What is it that I know? And be honest about it. Do not minimize. And then what is it I don't know? And be okay about that. And Figure out how to learn. What is your learning style? As a manager, what is your learning style? Do you like podcasts? Do you like books? Do you learn by trial and error? Do you learn by example? And figure out how to source that for yourself. I definitely think that's possible. I do not think that people need to wait for a leadership development to be imposed upon them. And the other one is situational awareness. Just start to track what's working and what's not working. And that is free. But it does require asking sometimes for feedback. How did that land? And making sure that you, the way that you think it landed or what you think is happening for your team, it actually tracks to what is in their minds or in their hearts in that moment. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what are you working on these days at your company? Well, I'm working on some strategic partnerships across the globe to figure out how to scale leadership development. So um, I'm actually, we talked about 2 million leader project. I'm thinking about adding some zeros to that. I'm trying to, (laughs) why why not? I'm really thinking about how to gamify leadership development for our youth. I, I would love for more young people across the world to know how to advocate for themselves, how to listen to others. I love that you really focus on listening and the importance of that as a leadership skill. I think that listening, talking to each other, active listening, there's some just foundational skills that if we could teach them earlier in life, we would all be a lot better off. That sounds good. Gamifying leadership development. That that's that guy, I have that. I like that. <laughs> so <laughs> as you move for, further on that, I want to talk more about that because that's very interesting to me because I do think that I think 
Well, one of the things I see, think you see is leadership is leadership development. We don't treat it like a like a special skill. We we mm-hmm. sort of throw it on top of everything else. Oh, you're a great engineer. We're going to make you engineering manager, and it's sort of like a footnote. Oh, you're also mm-hmm. a leader, and I don't think we treat it as a specialized skill set that needs to be developed. And so I like that idea of gamifying. So as the, as you develop that and you have got some things to talk about, on uh, yeah, let's have you back on that one because that's that's pretty exciting. So. Happy to. Yeah. Yeah. So what final message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I would like for every listener to take a moment, just take the biggest breath that they've taken all day. Because often we don't let ourselves pause. So take a breath and then give themselves a little pat on the back for investing the time and energy into a podcast because this is exactly what we're talking about. So thank you for listening. Thank you for investing in yourselves and smile. I feel like that helps reinforce a sense of gratitude and possibility. And so I'd ask for everyone just to smile and to go back to that question of what do I want to be known for and figure out what's the littlest way that I can show up in alignment with my intention today. And the little things go a long way. So I really believe those micro-interventions matter. And that's it. I want I want people to to trust themselves and to enjoy the, the experience of being at work. Mm, uh, such a great message. Leaders, did you hear that question? And I want I'll I'll repeat it. Do, what do you want to be known for? You know, what is your legacy? And uh and and answer that question. If you can answer that question honestly. And you can, you know, find your true north as a leader. And then I think it's going to make make your life a lot easier. You're not going to be trying to, to do too many things. You're going to be focused on what you want to leave for a positive legacy with your team and the people that you influence. Because you influence a lot of people. It's not just your employees. It's their families. It's your customers. It's your community. You impact a lot of people as leaders. So what do you want to be known for? Great question. Uh, so, uh, this has really been powerful conversations, but really good to have you on the show. Miriam, how can people find out more about you, your company, and any other resources you might have for the leaders listening in? LinkedIn or my website are the best places to go. Okay. And your website is? 2mleaders.com or you can go to leaderswhosmile.com. Leaderswhosmile.com. I love it. So we're going to put links in the show notes for those resources. Leaders, are you smiling today? <laughs> are you stressed <laughs> out today? Uh, if you want to smile more, I think uh, once you know your purpose and once you really know uh, know what you want to be known for, I think it can be easier to smile. So I love the message. Miriam, this has been a really good conversation. A lot of things to think about with respect to leadership, with respect to people, with respect to, I love the idea of don't be a solution factory. And if you, unless you, that's what you want to do, because if you just want to be a solution factory, you can be that all day long. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, we want to be more than that. Let your employees challenge your employees, let them grow, let them do things that uh, are, are are purposeful and help the company. And uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't hoard all that solution factory uh, just for yourself. So Miriam, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing Uh, your experience, your perspective, and and all the things that you're doing uh, for leaders around the world. So thank you. Thank you for your service, John. Uh, And also thank you for this podcast. I am grateful. I believe that creating a podcast is a labor of love. And to, to, to put so much sustained time and energy into making these resources and support possible for so many listeners 
is a wonderful, wonderful contribution to the world. So thanks for everything and thanks for letting me be a part of it today. Absolutely. It's been an honor to have you on the show. And uh, and and I hope that you reach 2 billion listeners, uh, yes. uh, leaders uh, yes. around the world. So, uh, so my hat's too. off to you that. I love that what you're trying to do, it fits in with our theme of trying to build a world with better bosses. So congratulations on what you're doing as well. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.